So welcome guys to a new episode of Confessions of an Entrepreneur. Today we're here with my friend Frank. Um, Frank is a business owner. He's a life coach. Uh, we've done a little bit of business in the past and you know after we passed that whole situation we've become I think good friends that we have kept in, in touch um, in the few months that have passed now. Um, so yeah thank you so much Frank for you know coming on. Yeah thanks for having me. Good do you want to give yourself a little bit of an intro you know what you do, where you live, where you come from, something like that? Yeah, sure. So um, my name's Frank Paul Vignola, and I'm a life coach for men. I do coach women too. I actually currently have some female clients, but my specialty is working with men. I've been doing this professionally for about the last decade. Uh, however, I learned about coaching um, when I was 17. And I was living in a boys' home for uh, for delinquent boys, uh, so my background is uh, is is unique in that way. I, I overcame a lot of struggles, and that's what made me want to be a coach. Um, and I, if I could say one other thing that might make me unique from other coaches is that I spent a lot of time, probably the better part of the last decade, um, studying performing arts and performing arts techniques. And uh, I've been able to implement a lot of those things in my coaching. So it's just a little bit about me. Perfect. So, you know, I kind of mentioned this before, but I want to straight off the bat, what is, you know, what is a life coach and what does that encompass? Because, you know, a, a lot of people will say, well, how can someone be an expert in every aspect of life? You know, so, yeah, right. so, yeah so what's kind of, your counter argument to that, or more than counter argument, what's just the reasoning and you know the definition of a life coach? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, because there is no counter argument. <laughs> I, I I don't have. Uh, <laughs> I'm not great in all areas of life. Right. Uh, I think that it would benefit anybody who identifies as a life coach to be as informed and knowledgeable as possible in the areas of life that people are going to want to talk about or the most common areas of life that people want to improve upon. But that's not to say that a life coach has to be a certified nutritionist. Mm -hmm. They have to be a personal trainer. Right. They have to be a psychologist. You know, it's like you can't be, no, no, you can't be all those things. Um, the idea I think with coaching and, and life coaching is that, the process that we use to get you to improve in a particular area of life is less about the area of life and more about the way there. And so it can be applied to career. It can be applied to your personal life. It can be applied to spirituality, even your sex life, uh, health and fitness, et cetera, is um, it's a, it's a process of identifying where it is that you want to get to AKA your goals, mm -hmm. and then breaking those things down into feasible actions. And then once you've broken them down into actions that make sense that you can actually, uh, you know, take steps toward your life coach becomes your accountability partner. Yeah. Yeah. And so a good coach is, go ahead. What was your question? Yeah, I yeah, know. So I, I, that's one of the points I was going to say. So I've never really experienced having a life coach, but from an outside perspective, I can see how the accountability aspect of things is mm -hmm. probably one of the most valuable aspects. Well, it's, it's, I think it's the most valuable thing that you can give someone because having that support, that constant support um, on achieving your goals, that it's not just yourself. Because sometimes it can get lonely, like especially with, with entrepreneurship. Like I like to say this all the time, the highs are high, but the lows are low and they're very mm -hmm. low. 
So having someone there with you, uh, you know, who's not only there with you now, but also has been with you in the past. And I think you have that confidence and trust within each other that we will be together in the future, I think has a massive imp- impact mentally on a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think anyone sure. trying to achieve any goal whatsoever. Um, but yeah, yeah. W- what do you think your main, you know, like, so when a client, what's your, what's your most common client? Um, like, what, what do they ask for most for the help? Most, the most common case the most common cases. Uh, so the number one thing is relationships of all kinds, you know, it's interactions with other people. I, I, I have a feeling that coaches based on the way they brand themselves or the way they present themselves to the world that will have some impact on who reaches out. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I tend to attract people, who want to work on their confidence and their social skills and then implementing those things in both business and personal life. So it really comes down to relationships and, and personal interactions or business interactions with other people. So there's a lot of work done on assertive communication. There's a lot of work done on setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work done on being able to self-generate confidence if uh, somebody is getting ready to go on a date that they're nervous about, or if somebody needs to present something to a group of colleagues uh, or go on an interview, et cetera. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of stuff around that confidence, social skills. Yeah, I, think yeah. this, I think this leads us quite nicely to one of the questions that I got today on my Instagram when I put up the, the questionnaire. Um, sure. so Henry asks, how to keep a girl interested in you if, if you're flirting, but it's in quarantine. So I think what he's trying to ask is, you know, h- yeah, how do you keep a girl interested in you if it's in quarantine, you can't go out and see her, what do you do? So that's, that's, just, that's, a, that's a question which I, I think I'd like to know the answer to and many other guys probably watching this um, or girls uh, would, would like to know the answer to. So, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and I think it's something that a lot of us are trying to navigate right now, right? Like. How do we continue a dating life uh, while we're sheltered? Yeah. And, and, you know, you and I are having a connection right now. I know people are listening in via audio only, but we're on a video call. We can see each other. Um, and I've done this with family and friends as well and other clients. I think that people can do this when they're dating also. You right. know, it, it may not be the first step you take. Maybe it's going to start, if it starts in a dating app, maybe there'll be some chatting and then you'll decide whether or not you want to move it to a video call. Right. Um, and of course, there's going to be, there's going to be, you know, limitations. You know, we can't touch, you know, there, there's only so much that can happen. Um, but one thing I want to point out, and I think this is, this may seem obvious, but it might just be an important reminder for some other people. We're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, if you feel like you have some disadvantage, because the, it's interesting to me the way the question was framed was how do I keep her interest? Right. Well, let me remind you, Henry was his name? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Henry um, and everybody else. You don't have a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Every other guy that she may be sizing up is in the same boat as you. Yeah. It's not as if you're on house arrest right. and all the other guys are able to see her in person. Right. They, you guys have 
you're all on the same playing field, <laughs> you know, is that we're all living within these parameters and anybody who's breaking them is taking a risk and that's on them. But if your choice is to live uh, sheltered and quarantined, which I commend you for, and hopefully everybody else is being equally proactive, you're all in the same boat, which means you're going to be doing the exact same thing that you'd be doing if you weren't quarantined, which is being yourself, leading with your best self, most authentic self, and hoping that, you know, that it lands and that you guys both like each other. You have to be creative. You yeah. know, are you, you're going to show up to your video call in, uh, in sweatpants and, and a straggly beard? No, you're going to do your best to groom yourself. And, uh, you know, and you're going to make sure the lighting's good and that you look your best and you're going to be dressed up. You know, maybe you guys will even have a virtual dinner. You're going to think about all of the things that you would do when you're dating somebody face to face. And you're going to find creative ways to do those things virtually. The things that you can't do, you simply accept that you can't. But you do your best to find ways to do them virtually and remind yourself that you're all on the same playing field. You're all in the same boat. You don't have any disadvantages. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to go on a little bit of a tangent, but at the same time, I don't want to keep on the topic of dating too much because there's a lot okay. that we have to talk about. But do you think that dating has gotten harder or easier, you know, with the invention of the internet, with social media, with, you know, FaceTiming people compared to, you know, the 1920s when you had to, you know, physically go see someone or, you know, the, the bar or the restaurant was really the only place where you could, you could find a girl? So I think it's a tricky question um, because in a lot of ways, I think our ability to connect has expanded mm. a great deal. So we have a lot more means to connect with people now, you know, to be able to send a text message or make a phone call. Uh, it, and, and even just to hop on social media and see uh, what this person did yesterday and how they're doing without even having to reach out. It does in a lot of ways make us more involved in each other's lives. So we're able to stay connected and we're able to see what's going on in the world and what all of our friends are doing. And there are some great advantages to that. I think the disadvantage is that, you know, because this is the habit of, uh, you know, this is the nature I think of humans is we adapt mm -hmm. and we adapt in a, sometimes in a positive way and sometimes we adapt in a negative way when we're in a situation where we need to find solutions or and or be resilient uh, and, and overcome difficulties, we're able to do that. And if back in the day, you know, we didn't know any other way to communicate except to see each other in person and to assert ourselves and be honest and to have difficult conversations face to face because that was the only way we could outside of writing a letter, um, then we develop the abilities to do that and we adapt to that world. Right. Uh, so the negative side of having all these things now is that we don't have to assert ourselves anymore. Have you, we so can have, you said you've been doing this, you've been a life coach for 10 years, right? You said more or less a decade. Yeah, more or less, yeah. Have you seen an increase in men or women who need dating advice with time or a decrease? I think it's been, it, no, it's been the same. It's been the same despite these changes. There, and the reason why is because, you know, our, our nature as humans has not changed. Right. And our nature as humans, most of us, is that we want companionship of some kind, mm. you know, and that's dated back for God knows how long is that, uh, you know, whether or not you or I or anyone agrees with it, 
there has been this standard for happiness that we need to have companionship. And because of that, dating will constantly be uh, a thing, regardless of the forms that we can date and the ways that we can connect. Uh, it will always be a thing. Now, it's just that there's other, there's more avenues to approach. And now I can spend, you know, multiple sessions working with somebody on building a really legit dating profile, you know, because that's, that's a thing, you know, yeah. whether you like it or not, it's one of the avenues to meeting people. And uh, the same way that you would go on a date looking like your best self and presenting yourself the best way you can, it's no different on a dating app. And when I see, um, you know, a photo of you that was clearly cut down the middle and there's somebody else's hair in the photo because you couldn't get a picture of yourself. So you got the most recent picture you had with your mom and yeah. you sliced it down the middle and used that as your leading profile picture. Well, you know what? That's not showing a lot of effort. You can do better. Yeah. Um, same yeah. thing with profile write-ups. Uh, so there's more avenues to go down, but the need for dating advice and coaching has been consistent. Right, right. So yeah, yeah okay. you know, and I think that's a good way to kind of, um, you know, close up the whole dating uh, topic that we could talk about. I kind of want to enter more of a entrepreneurship um, side of things, you know, I, and I, this is a question that comes from me and I know mm -hmm. a lot of other entrepreneurs will be feeling the same way as I am. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of want to take your, I want to have your take on it. So, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of business owners right now are going through a lot of stress, you know, the coronavirus, yeah. you know, the markets, mm -hmm. uncertainty, a lot of people are going through a lot of stress. And, you know, just to make matters worse, you're at home, you're stuck at home. So you can't even see your friends. Yeah. You can't even, you know, I mean, in London, we can go on a walk, but some places you can't even go on a walk, you know? So yeah. what can business owners, or I mean, anyone who's really feeling stressful right now <clears throat> do to cope with it, with the stress and, you know, find ways at home maybe to relax and, and relieve some of that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to, what was that? I heard a little beep. <laughs> I'm not sure actually. <laughs> oh, well, we're still recording, so that's good. Um, I want to break that question down into two parts um, because there's, there's, there's a specific way to answer it, which is uh, a way that's specific to business owners and the stresses that they're dealing with right now um, when they think about their livelihood and how it might be threatened mm -hmm. by the current COVID-19 situation. And then there's a more general way to answer the question, which is how can everybody cope with being at home? Uh, so <clears throat> the first step or the first part with, uh, with business owners, yeah, I, I have a lot of clients who are business owners who are very worried right now, uh, legitimately so. They're worried about their livelihood. The thing with worry is uh, it, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't really, produce anything mm -hmm. it's not it's, it's an emotion it's something that we all feel uh is worry or concern uh and stress but we we need to do something with it and i think that we can stop and take inventory of what it is that we're worrying about and then maybe create a list or two lists rather in our heads or literally and write them down of what do i have control over Mm -hmm. and what don't I have control over right now we're dealing with a lot of unknown so there's a lot that we don't have control over and if we don't have control over it there is no productivity whatsoever yeah. in worrying about it I know that that's very practical talk mm -hmm. and we're human so we're going to worry 
here and there, but it will benefit us to try to find a place of acceptance. That's something that we could reach through talking to a friend, talking to other entrepreneurs who are going through the same thing, talking to a coach, finding some acceptance of, I just don't have control over this right now, yeah. and it doesn't make sense to worry about it. Yeah. However, the things that we can be proactive about, like, oh, but I do have control over this. This is something that I can do. We gotta be proactive. Yeah. You could take action on those things that you know you do have control over. And then lastly, and this may seem a little bit dark or bleak, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a really practical thing to do, would be to consider what is the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm dealing with so much unknown. I have very little control. What is the worst thing that can happen? And then when you've identified that to ask yourself, if that happened, could I recover? And would I be able to survive? Hmm. And hopefully the answer will be yes, even if it's not the life that you would have foreseen yourself living. And, and even if it means that you're starting over, mm -hmm. if the answer ultimately is yes, I would survive. I hope that doesn't happen, but I will survive. And you let yourself go on that road and go on that ride and visualize yourself going through that and knowing you're going to survive. It's going to put a little something in you yeah. so that when and if it does happen or something much less severe happens, there's going to be some part of you that is prepared for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think ultimately with every business owner, the, the, you know, it's the thought of failure, you know, what causes of course. It's, it's, it's your business closing down. It's, it's not having enough money to pay rent, whatever it is. And it's the failure yeah. business that really, that really, um, you know, catalyst, acts as a catalyst for that to happen, which ties mm -hmm. in well with the next question, which is from Victoria. And she says, well, she asks, what importance should I give to failure? Um, and I think you briefly touched about that, but maybe you have some different thoughts that you could, you know. Now, failure is, uh, failure, failure needs to be your best friend if you want to be great at anything. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to develop courage, if you want to face your fears, if you want to be successful, you have to be willing to fail, mm -hmm. plain and simple. Um, failure is something that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. It's something that I was incredibly uncomfortable with. Uh, but again, it's, it's a necessary part of the process. Uh, the only people in this world who don't fail are the people who don't take risks. Right. So, you know, you want to live your life not taking risks and playing it safe. Okay, but how much are you actually going to grow? There has to come a point of acceptance where you decide, I have to fail yeah. and I have to be willing to fail. And the way to go about it is, uh, is a very practical way to go about it, which is you, you can start by taking small risks. Mm -hmm. you, 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 need to, you need to be able to objectively measure the risk that you want to take um, and objectively meaning that you're also not letting other people influence you it's your decision so you don't let the pressures of friends and family who are saying you shouldn't take that risk or you should take that risk influence you they don't know your path as well as you do you need to know where you want to get and whether or not this risk makes sense to you you need to weigh out all possibilities and if you decide that the 
possibility of, that the, the failure in this case in this for this risk is something that is insurmountable, then okay, you don't want to take that risk. However, if it's not insurmountable, then it may be a risk worth taking. And you may deal with some really ugly feelings that we hate, um, the possibility of rejection. Who wants to feel that? Um, the possibility of humiliation or embarrassment. Okay, we don't like that either. These are all the common fears, rejection, humiliation, um, fail, you know, the, the fear of failure itself. Um, you know, but when we lean into it, because most oftentimes when we think about doing something that makes us uncomfortable, it's because that could be the possible outcome. And then as soon as that feeling jumps up into our, into our gut, you know, or in our chest or in our throat, wherever we feel it, we, we are like, no, we write it off. And we're like, no, nah, hell no, I don't want to do that. Uh -uh, I don't want to feel that way. Now, if we challenge it and we let ourselves lean into it a little bit, that gives us the opportunity to objectively size up what will actually happen. So, besides the feeling that I don't want to feel, what will actually happen? Am I going to die? Am I going to sabotage relationships? Am I going to lose my job? And when and if the answer is no, it's probably a risk that you want to take. Mm -hmm. So you start small, you take little risks and you let yourself fail, realizing that whether or not the outcome is failure or success is less important than the willingness to take the risk to begin with. Right. And uh, there's a quote that you might know that I, I really like, which, which says, uh, those who dare to fail miserably can achieve greatly. And yeah. I think it resonates a lot and it ties in, well, to the next thing I'm going to say, which is we've talked about failure, but what about success? So obviously there's no formula of success and there's no way to yeah. say what success is, but what, what do you think are, are maybe some traits or some, some common habits that someone should have that can, that can, um, yeah, just help you on your route to success. So you're right. Success is so objective uh, or excuse me, uh, subjective. It's so, uh, it's so subjective and relative to each, each one of us. Yeah. But, um, I would say that common traits of, what I see as successful people would be very much linked to what we just talked about is that successful people are willing to fail. They're willing to take risks and that is rooted in courage. That's mm -hmm. the virtue underneath it. That's the, that's the character strength underneath it is courage. And I believe that courage is something that can be developed. Some of us do have it more naturally than others. However, I think it's something that the more we practice it, the more we're able to do it and we can develop courage. So courage is a big part of it. Um, the other thing that I think is really common of successful people is they know who they are. They are, they are crystal clear on their strengths and they are crystal clear on their values. They're crystal clear on their principles. Right. So when you know your strengths, you know your values and you know your principles, you know exactly what actions to take. Knowing your strengths, you do things that you're great at and you take risks doing things that you're not great at that you want to become better at. Everything right. is deliberate. When you know your values, you can make decisions. Mm -hmm. Oh, do I want this job or do I want that job? Do I want to leave this job and take the offer this one made me? Do I want to spend time with this person or do I want to spend time with that person? You know, when it aligns with your values, everything becomes crystal clear. And then with your principles, it's kind of the same thing. You know, so when we're crystal clear on those three things, we have a sense of identity. And I think that that is something that's really common of successful people is we get a sense that they exude confidence in who they are. They know who they are. 
they know what they want and they know what actions to take. And yeah. they have the courage to do it. I think this is, yeah, that's a good point. And, and, it, and it fits in well with the next question, which is from Vatsal, who asks how to train your mind to be focused and productive. Um, so yeah, is, is yeah. that something you can, well, take a thing, well, assuming that productivity and, and being focused leads to success, do you think success is something that can be trained? Like, can you train yourself to be successful? Obviously within the subjective reasoning of, of yeah. I know, I know what you're saying. Um, I think that the, the, the question, the way it's framed, you know, productivity can lead, is necessary in order to achieve success. So um, I don't know that success as it, as it stands or as we understand it by definition can necessarily be trained because I don't think success is a skill per se, but I do think productivity, which is largely rooted in self-regulation or self-discipline, that's a skill. Self-regulation and self-discipline are, are skills, and those are things that can be developed. They're developed simply by doing them. So we talked about accountability. Accountability is great for developing uh, self-regulation and self-discipline because you have a little extra push from somebody who you know is rooting for you. So if there's something in your life that you are avoiding doing or having difficulty staying focused on, either because it's something that makes you uncomfortable or something you don't feel you're very good at, you might find reasons not to do it. Yeah. Um, and you might lose focus very easily. And then that makes you less productive. Um, the idea here is that if you get yourself through self-regulation and self-discipline to power through and do it even just one time, you have now created a new programming in your brain that is, oh, I can do it. And that can't be denied in the future. Accountability or an accountability partner will help you get to that, but it can be done on your own. And the idea is that the more times you do it, the more endurance you build to doing things that you don't necessarily want to do. And that heightens your self-regulation and self-discipline. So, so I, I, as I mentioned before we started the, the interview, I know that 80% of my demographic are business owners and men. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you think, do you have any tips uh, you know, some quick tips, maybe like a few apps you use or uh, maybe some books that you read that you think would apply to helping, helping, you know, business owners who either are, are the starting phase or, you know, the growing phase or yeah, just, just anything you can, you, you think would, would help to, for them to build these, these good habits. So for, well, it's different for, uh, for building a business. I mean, I built mine, you know, on my own. I didn't, I didn't read any books. <clears throat> I didn't, uh, I didn't read any books or, or listen to any podcasts uh, to do it. I just, uh, I, I did what, what made sense to me. I put myself out there and uh, perhaps if I had, it would have built, I would have built it even, even faster. Um, so no, off the top of my head, I don't have any books to recommend. But for building the habits, you know, I mean, you can nowadays you can google um you know self-regulation or probably google uh learning self-discipline and a whole list of books will pop up that uh that you can you know that you can choose from or the other thing that we can do is uh you know on social media those of us who who use it uh you know everything that's in our feed is is kind of reinforcing our, our thinking and uh you could start following people who have yeah. the habits that you want to develop more of and surround yourself with those types of people. Um, but no, 
to answer your question. I don't, uh, not off the top of my head. I don't have any, uh, you know, books to specifically to recommend. Um, whenever I work with somebody on those things, it's usually through action. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's usually through actions. You know who, who I think The Rock, was it? Dwayne Johnson used to post yeah. every morning at 6 a.m. that he'd be in the gym. Something like that, if I'm not wrong, a while. I don't know if he's still yeah. But that, that's kind of what you're, you're talking about, no? Like having someone, you're like, okay, well, if he can do it, I can do it. 100%. Yeah, yeah. as motivation. Or, or yeah. I think the one that's helped me most is called Stride. And essentially, mm-hmm. it's, it's a habit builder. And every day you can... Um, well, you set goals that you have to achieve and then you can, you can choose whether it's a one day every, you know, bi-weekly, bi-monthly, whatever it is. And it keeps you accountable. Uh, cause you, well, I think a really important thing about goal setting in general is being able to see the progress, um, in, in like a measured way. So it, it like provides you with a graph that shows you how well you're doing. And, um, it like when you reach milestones, it gives you like a congratulations um because huh. actually in the, in the interview uh before this one i was speaking to a friend of mine called alan and he and he founded the investment an investment club in in, in london and mm-hmm. we were kind of talking about um that well at least i mentioned that the the benefit <clears throat> of a progress pick like a gym progress pick is that you see the progress fully you know because you can see the full body but with business it's a little harder because it's kind of to think of a business, there's so many moving parts and there's so many parts. It's, it's hard to take like a, you know, the bigger picture. So what I like to do is follow the, the and I want to talk about this quickly because I mentioned in the, the previous interview, but I follow the, the rule of having five people around you. Like you are the five the close people to, around you. And I tried to, to set them that having, you know, the fifth person way, way ahead of me. And then the first person way, way behind me. Because by doing so, I, I get a snapshot of where I am, you know? And that's what helps me as a business owner realize where, what stage I'm actually at. Because, you know, you know speaking to this person, I'll talk about things that I, I have not experienced, but then speaking to him, I'll, I'll talk about things I have experienced and maybe a while ago. And, and that's kind of my take. And, and if anyone's listening to this, I would, I would recommend that as well because it's helped me a lot in, in my journey to, to where I am. So. So, that, yeah. is in- <clears throat> that is interesting. Um, I've, I've never, I've never done that myself, although I have always made an effort to surround myself with people who are on a similar path or that inspire me, people who make me want to do better and work harder. Um, but I don't, I haven't specifically used it as, as a way to measure my own success. Uh, if it works for you, I think that's great. Uh, one of the things that I push people to do is to only be in competition with themselves and to avoid comparing themselves to other people. Uh, so while that works for you, cause you may have the, um, the discipline or the self-awareness not to ever compare yourself <clears throat> to any of those people specifically there, I, I, I'm hearing a danger of a, of a comparison, you know, that I would, that would prevent me from uh, recommending it to, to other people uh, because uh, sometimes that knocks people down. Right. And I, I hear what you're saying. And I think that we, there are, there are two kinds of kinds of people in this world yeah. where if you feed yourself pictures of somebody who has the body you've always wanted, mm-hmm. that um, even though you don't have it, it's going to push you 
to work harder because you're like, I'm going to prove to them and to myself and to the world that I can do that. And then there's the other kind of people where it's going to actually remove the joy of the process because they're getting too hung up on comparing themselves to another person, okay. which is not a good idea. Um, but I'm not trying to knock your idea. No, I, no, no. I, 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 <laughs> if anything, you know, if I, I understand how, how um, not, no, I don't want to say a stronger, that you need to be a stronger person. That's completely not true. But I understand how you need to be, how you need to have what you said. So not being like, you need to be able not to be, able, you need to be able to not be able to compare yourself to others. Yes, exactly. Or exactly. In a, in a healthy way. Uh, in but, a healthy way. Yeah. But I, I can understand how some people, maybe it wouldn't work for them and it would cause more harm than good. Um, but let me, let me piggyback on what you said though, because I do support it to, to, to a degree. I think that where you're, get, where, where you're going with it is on the right track because it's about you need to constantly be able to measure your progress. And like you said, if it's a body photo, you can look at the before and after and you can see everything right in front of you. Yeah. It's a tangible way to see the progress. And then there's other things in life where it's a little bit more abstract yeah. and it's a little harder to measure our progress. One of the most important things when it comes down to setting goals, and I think a lot of coaches will agree, is the goal has to be measurable. Yeah. You have to be able to measure your progress and stay motivated and you've got to celebrate your little successes. Yeah. So the Stride app that you're talking about it's funny. There's a part of me that's just like, damn, who needs a life coach now? You have it in an app. Um, but it's good that it does that because uh, we, we need to be able to see our progress in front of us. And if the app is doing that for you, then, um, then that's, that's motivating. That's exciting. I will, I will say one thing, though. Do you know the app, the Alarm app called Alarmy? I've heard of it. Okay, so in the entrepreneurship world... I haven't used it. <clears throat> okay, so in the entrepreneurship world, there's... There's this, there's this massive thought of like the thought way, which, which is everyone saying like, you know, the hustle, grind, sleep when you're dead, that kind of ideology. Uh, right? And I'd be guilty. Like I, I did try that at the start, even if it was for two weeks where it was like, okay, let me, let, let me work until 4 a.m., wake up at 7 a.m., whatever it was. And for the longest time, I was like, oh, it's okay. I can sleep only four, three hours a night because I can use Alarmy, right? Which is this... Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you know about it, but in case anyone's not listening, it's basically this alarm app that you can add like a math problem you have to do, or you have to take a picture of the same image. So you can take a picture of, of you know, your sink in your kitchen. That, that's mm -hmm. the only way to turn it off. So you'd have to wake up and then go all the way to your kitchen and then take a picture of it. Me being the problem solver that I am, I would just turn off my phone. And so that's like, so, so. If you could, yeah. yeah, like I'll just turn it off. And yeah, um, right, exactly. so going back to, you know, stride and using an app and mm -hmm. oh, maybe what, like, why, like who needs a life coach? That's completely not true because I feel like having the accountability of a person is completely different. Yeah. Than uh, I think, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I was, I was half joking, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's nice that they have that as mm -hmm. for, for people to use in between sessions. There's, there's so much to be gained from working with a, with a real person because, you know, an app is going to work in a very general way for everyone, whereas a person, if they're good, uh, is going to get to know you very specifically and know your patterns and be able to help you overcome, you know, obstacles and whatnot. Um, that's funny that the Alarm Me app, uh, yeah, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know what it was about. Um, yeah. It's interesting because on the one hand, you know, in, in, in 
the concept is cool, yeah. you know, which is you have to get up and take a photo of this thing. So you legitimately yeah. have to get out of bed. And yeah, you could turn your phone off. But, you know, one of the things I tell people is don't put your phone in, in, uh, in, 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 in reaching distance yeah. when you go to sleep because you actually have to get up to get the phone then. And if you're going to do that, you might as well go over to the sink and take a photo of it. But this this idea that as long as you're able to do that, you can get four hours of sleep at night and these these pages um these coaches or these um you know these instagram coaching pages that uh that say things like um you know successful people work uh 19 hour days and only sleep five hours i call bullshit um i call fucking bullshit on that because uh that's there will be times in our life where we might have to do that but it's not sustainable and everything we've learned in science over the course of the you know of humanity has told us that that is not sustainable so if you use that as a benchmark for uh measuring your success that as long as i'm doing what i shouldn't be doing as a human and getting 4 hours of sleep every night and working the rest of the day that i'm 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 making progress yeah until you until you crash and burn yeah it's yeah. not sustainable it's not sustainable. I don't recommend it. Um, we're all different. There are some people who tell me, you know, that they can get by with five or six hours, no problem. I always push people to go for seven or eight. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, I don't get behind that kind of thinking. One bit, I'm a lot more gray with my thinking, which is that if you find a method where you're making small amounts of progress each day, but it's something that you can sustain for the long haul, when it comes to diet, when it comes to writing a book, when it comes to uh, whatever it is that you're working toward gaining, uh, if you find something you could do with consistency and you're not going to burn out, that ultimately long term is going to be way more effective than a couple weeks of not sleeping and uh, you know overdosing on your Adderall so yeah. that you can <laughs> stay up at night and get a whole bunch of shit done. Um, nah. I don't, I don't think that works long-term, you know, that worked in college when we needed to stay up and finish a paper, you know, and, uh, you know, my buddies and I would snort Adderall and, and make sure we got it done. But, uh, you know, in adult life, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, actually, no, we have to move on to our next question. Cause if not, we're going to say, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so the next question, which I guess it's sort of in the same um, ballpark, but it's from Blaine. And he asks, I've, well, he says, um, I have so many aspirations plus options with my career and in life in general, what is the best route for me? So I know this is yeah, quite okay. vague and it's probably a hard question to answer, but yeah, like, you know, what would you, what would you recommend, uh, Blaine to do? It's actually not hard to answer. It's a, it's a pretty easy answer in this case, because that's all about what we talked about earlier. Uh, and the thing that successful people you know, the people who I find successful tend to have in common, which is they know what their values are. Mm. If you know what your values are, you're going to be able to more easily choose your path. Yeah. It's, it's great when people are, are, are motivated and ambitious and they have a whole bunch of talents. Mm. Um, and I heard somebody say this recently, actually, and it resonated because I, I got it and I understood it within, for myself and my own personal experience, uh, but also things that I've heard from other people, which is, um, you're good at a whole bunch of things, jack of all trades, master of none, but you're great at a whole bunch of things and you have a whole bunch of options of what you can do. 
the difficulty in that is making a decision and then sometimes it's uh, indecision takes over, which yeah. is a decision and then you do nothing. So in this case, a really comprehensive assessment of your values is gonna help you figure out what it is that you wanna do. That's one of the things that I love doing. It's one of the things, uh, probably one of the most uh, uh, valuable things that I think I offer uh, personally as a coach and, and my style of coaching is I go in deep. This is not some four-step method that I found in a book. Um, this is my method and it's very comprehensive and deep and it takes a few sessions, but I help people identify their strengths in a way they never have before and their values. Yeah. And I think when you have those two things identified, it starts to become really clear which direction you, you're going to want to go in. Mm-hmm. So yep. the, the, the answer to that is rooted in values. Quite yeah, simply. I think that's a, that's a good well rounded answer you just gave. Um, yeah, and I completely agree. Yeah, and a, a little bit more differently, uh, this is actually a question from a friend of mine called Marco, and he asks, how do I find a balance between work and free time? Which, you know, I mm-hmm. think it's a very good question, especially when, when, when you're, you work at home, like how we are now where it's, mm-hmm. especially if you have a business, like an online business, because it's like, when do I stop working? You know, if mm. I'm just at home, like I might as well, you know, it's 7 p.m. I just had, you know, I finished dinner, it's 8 p.m. Uh, I, maybe I should do a little bit of work, but then when is it? Uh-huh. Time? So when, so how do you think you someone should establish those limits? Yeah, so I'm, again, this, this goes back to my very kind of gray way of thinking and, uh, the, the the very the happy medium moderate uh, approach to life it's very much aligned with what i said before about not working a 19 hour day for two weeks straight uh because you're going to get more done than the person who you know um was working only seven hours each day for two weeks straight because at the end of the day if you need four weeks of rest after that you know the other person's going to be ahead of you i think the answer here is structure Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially now, especially now while we're at home and nobody's watching us over our back and making sure that we're working, we get to work when we want to. Those of us who are fortunate enough to work remotely, we need a schedule. We need a schedule of designated work hours, um, whether it's uh, an eight hour day or you decide to give yourself uh, two separate three hour or four hour work windows at different times during the day, we need consistency. Yeah. Uh, and then we need designated work areas. So you need to have a place that you associate with work in your house or apartment. Right. I don't care if you live in a studio apartment and your kitchen table needs to operate as your desk in the daytime, then so be it. You have to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on your laptop, in your underwear, um, a laying on your bed, and that's where you're doing your work. Uh-uh. No, the association with that is bedtime. Yeah, get out of your bed. Make it. Make your fucking bed. You know, and same thing with the couch. Uh, that's not a good place to do your work. So you need to set up a, a station. It, there has to be a workstation where you can comfortably work, and you feel like this is my work area, yeah. and these are my work hours. Yeah. And while I'm here. The music gets turned down, uh, the personal calls get, you know, get silenced, and this is my work time. And then what you're gonna do as you, you, try, to, you try to adhere to that structure as best you can, use your best judgment when you create the, the weekly schedule for yourself, do it for a week, take notes each day, 
what did this feel like? Did I feel like I worked too much? Did I feel like I didn't work enough? Do I not like this workstation? Is it not comfortable? Do I need a more comfortable seat? Take notes. Take notes each day of what your experience was like. Because then at the end of the week, what you can do is you can tweak it. You can tweak it and you can refine it until you get it perfect. So you can talk to your friend. You could have a conversation with yourself and do it on your own. Or you could talk to your coach and problem solve together. But ultimately, what you're going to do is you're going to make adjustments based on how your week went. And then you're going to do it again for the second week. And you're going to do it until you get it just right. Yeah. You know, but ultimately you're going to be feeling like, oh, even though I'm not waking up and going to my job and I don't have the structure provided for me, I am now creating my own structure yeah. um, and balancing out leisure time and productivity time yeah. in a way that works for me. Yeah. Adding on to, to, I think, you know, the underlying points that you're kind of making, you know, I see on, on Instagram and with internet in general, I see so many of these gurus, right? These like, hyper successful people, whether it be business, whatever it is, these hyper successful people who, who tend to, to um, you know, put on their stories and talk about, oh, this is the routine for, for the, you know, the champions, you know, you have to wake up at mm-hmm. 30 and, and then, and I see people literally following those religiously where it's like, you know, they work 30 minutes because this guy on Instagram put it on a story that you have to work 30 minute blocks or whatever it is. And yeah, I think that's not the right way. I think you 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 kind of said it well. It's it's everything. It has to be personalized. You know, yes. everyone's different. So you have to find what works best for you. And I think even if it's a method of trial and error, that's still better. And it will take a bit of time to find it. I think that's still better than following someone else's schedule, who just might be doing worse to you than good. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of you know the underlying point that you kind of were making there, and I and I agree. Um, Amen, brother. I mean, I, I, you, you hit the nail on the head with that, at least in regards to uh, my personal feelings on it. Uh, Any type of five step quick fix that a life coach is advertising makes me raise an eyebrow and it should make you raise an eyebrow too. And you meaning not just you and me, but anybody listening. Um, I do not feel like there is any method that can be, that is, that is perfect and, and exact and can be applied to all people. Um, we're not changing a fucking tire here or baking a cake. And even then like there's going to be debate over which is the best way to do it. Um, yeah. you know, they, we are dealing with the most abstract and gray areas of life. So yes, those gurus are going to do what sells, which is to come up with something and stand behind it and say, this is the best way. And the rest of the sheep of the world, which is, you know, listen, that's how, that's what we are. You know, when we're told do this, we do this. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, they're trying to productize it. That's what they're trying to that, do. Well, exactly. They're trying to turn it into something where it's just like, this does this for you. It yeah. solves the problem for you. Yeah. And, um, and it's just not true. Yeah. It's not true. It might work temporarily, but it's, it's ultimately not true. Uh, I have a couple methods that I've come up with for approaches to certain things, like identifying people's strengths and values, as I mentioned earlier. Um, that's my method of getting there. But mm-hmm. even then, I'm tailoring it to the person who I'm talking to. Um, You know, everything needs to be personal and specific. Hire the coach that's going to work on getting to know you and coming up with the thing that's going to be right for you specifically. Um, And use the same mentality and thinking when you're coming up with uh, the structure of your day and how you want to get the most productivity out of it. Base it on yourself. Trial and error. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. I think I think that's a that's a good way we can start closing up because we're almost yeah, cool. one hour mark here. Um, 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. I think a lot of people have benefited a lot from the things we discussed and, and the good advice that you gave them. So thank you and probably thank you on behalf of them as well. Um, is there yeah, my pleasure. you want to say or plug or whatever, really, just any last regards? I just want to say thank you. <laughs> you know, thanks for being interested in talking to me um, and letting me spend the last hour or however long it's been trying my damnedest to sound smart. Um, uh, but no, I, I, you know, all jokes aside, I'm, I'm very grateful and I hope that I shared some things that people feel like they could put to use. Um, I, I, I don't need to drop any plugs here. And if if you're going to put them, uh, you know, on the, uh, when you post this later, uh, I guess you'll, you'll add my, my website for people to find me. Yeah. Yeah. But besides that, um, besides the website, if any of you who are listening aren't sure about working with a coach or sure that you necessarily want to to hire a coach, but I said something that might have resonated with you and you want to hear more of it, you know, you can follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no commitment in that. You can follow me. I post daily. Sometimes I post really playful, silly stuff. And then other times I post something that I think will motivate people. So, um, you know, you, you also can, have you can share that info. You also have some really good links of you talking on, on television, if I'm all wrong, right? So yes. you some very yes. interesting things as well there. So I think that's also beneficial. And it's one of the things, that I, one of the first things I actually, so that's how I found you. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you could cool. find those on my page, on, uh, on Instagram, but also on my website. There sure. are links there. Okay, well, thank you so much then. My pleasure. Thank you. I'll Bye talk buddy. to you soon. All right.